Hello my wonderful quiet rebels, it's Mayke here and before we jump into today's incredible episode, I'm super excited to let you know that this is brought to you by my Sustainable Visibility Incubator or SPI for short. And if this is your first time hearing about it or maybe you heard of it but would like a quick recap, then here you go. This is my six-month group mentorship program where I guide you to explore and really develop your timeless approach to visibility. And what I mean by that is that it's an approach that evolves with you and it honors your identities as well as your lived experiences as a human being. The reason why I focus on this approach versus a one way to be visible type of approach is because I really want this to be able to stay with you for the lifetime of your business. So no matter which visibility strategy you wind up choosing for a certain season in your business, that the approach is something that is informed by you. And so you have complete access to your agency in this process. And if you'd like that space where you get to explore that, which means sometimes falling flat on your face, but being able to get back up or celebrating something that is seemingly small to other people, but it's a big deal for you, that is what the space is for. So if you've liked what you've heard so far and you want to find out more info about the program, such as what's included, what we're covering in terms of topics, how it's all structured, all of that jazz, you can go to makeasign.com forward slash apply. And I'll pop that link in the show notes for you to check out should you want to. And a quick note on this URL as well. Sometimes, depending on what time of year it is, it will transform from a waitlist page with that much needed info to an application page. So I only opened this program for applications once a year. So I'm going to be opening it in August of 2022 and it will be closing for applications on the basically the beginning of September of 2022. So if you're listening to this episode outside of this time period, this URL will still work, but it will just take you to a waitlist. And speaking of the waitlist, if you do decide to join, that does mean you'll get priority access to the applications, which means that you have more time to decide because Sometimes you might need to journal on the decision of whether you want to join or not, and I really don't want to rush that process for you. I don't want the closing of the cart to be what pushes you to decide. I really want this to be informed by you as much as possible. Okay, so that's just a quick note on that. Anyway, this is this program is my pride and joy because it's something that I really do believe is much needed in our industry, especially for those of us who are much more highly sensitive, we're introverts, we're empaths. And so sometimes the way that we are quote unquote meant to be visible may not be fully aligned for us. So this is for you to again, design your own timeless approach to visibility that evolves with you and also honors your identities and lived experiences along the way. So again, makeitfan.com forward slash apply if you want to find out more. But now, back to the episode. You're listening to the Quiet Rebels podcast, the place to be to explore what it means to run an online business when you don't always align with the status quo. I'm your host, Meike Sang, the sustainable visibility mentor, certified trauma-sensitive leadership coach, and podcast guesting strategy trainer. And I'm here to remind you that contrary to what we're taught to believe, you don't always have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. Because if anything, we stand out and make an even deeper difference when we stand up for what we believe in and share who we're supporting along the way. So if you'd like to join me and my guests as we venture into these pretty nuanced conversations where we choose to find the meaning 
in the messy middles of our entrepreneurial journey, then let me welcome you into the quiet rebellion. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quiet Rebels podcast. If you can't tell by the accent already, this is not make a. <laughs> yeah, this is make a. Don't worry, I'm still here. But you know, the, the reins are going to be handed over to the amazing Suzanne today. <laughs> My name's Suzanne Kohlberg, joining you from the future in Sydney, Australia. And I'm here today to interview make a about SVI. Oh, yeah. Like this is the inside scoop, inside tour, whatever you want to call it, the backstage pass kind of shindig. And I love that it was all your idea as well. Backstage pass, let's call it that. And let's Ooh. say that I call it SVI because I have a lot of issues <laughs> saying sustainable visibility incubator, even though I've been in the program for like a year now. <laughs> well, you said it perfectly just there, just so you know. <laughs> The reason I asked Maykay today if I could have the honour of interviewing her on her own podcast is as an avid listener of the show, I always enjoy episodes where the host gets to be their own guest. And Maykay's program, SVI, is about to kick off in its third evolution. And I'd love to know what's changing for this round. Oh, I am here for it. I am here for it. And I love that... um... You know, in film, they call it the breaking the fourth wall, where you actually talk directly to the audience. I feel like you're doing that right now, but in podcast form. <laughs> you know, I've heard that phrase before, breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, the fourth wall, I, I believe, like, please correct me if I'm wrong, for any listeners right now who are like, Mega, you got that totally wrong. Um, <laughs> but um, a perfect example is in Enola Holmes. Um, it's, it's the same girl, like Millie Bobby Brown, I think her name is, um, the, the main girl in Stranger Things. Um, and she breaks the fourth wall when she actually talks directly to the camera. But I feel like because um, at the moment you're kind of like letting everyone in, so I feel like you're breaking the fourth wall in terms of like a podcast interview, but I just thought that mentioned that. <laughs> well, basically, I just wanted all the deets and I figured this was the best way. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm, I'm here for it all. <laughs> so what's changing like what's evolving what's happening the scoop for this upcoming round oh well I seriously uh, this has happened twice (laughs) so far right when I closed the car for 1.0 and 2.0 I was immediately working on the next evolution (laughs) I'm like oh like it's just from the the launch experience itself I'm always thinking like oh I could have done this better I could have like offered this instead or something like that but something that came very apparent to me is I always record all the trainings and all of the hot seat calls and all of that and I asked just just on a whim one day I was like by the way how many of you actually go back and listen to your hot seats and everybody had this guilty look and started looking at each their um each other's like zoom windows I thought it was so cute and I was like it's okay if you don't by the way like I record it anyway just just for you um you know offer transcripts and all that to make it super easy to see through but when I asked that everybody was still like (laughs) and I was like oh it's a shame in in some way because there are some amazing gems of conversation that come out of these hot seats especially because of course it's what's happening in each of your businesses at the given time so I thought hmm, what if there was a way that I could encapsulate those gems and kind of put it in a more easy to consume format and so that's why I brought up the the, uh, the idea to you all like hey if 
like you know for any future round and of course like I'd, I'd give this access to um anyone in previous rounds in 2.0 1.0 as well to a private podcast where I would put all of those gems in there not not actually snippets from the from the hot seat I would take the idea from the hot seat because I really take great care well, I like I like to think so anyway take great care in anonymizing information because yes. because I appreciate the hot seats are in a very intimate space and everybody who shared consented to that space only so to have that in another format even if it's still to other SVI people for any future participants the previous ones would not have consented to them listening. So I thought, okay, what did I learn from this share and how can I anonymize it in a way that's widely applicable to anybody who wants to hear it? So they're going to be like super bite-sized musings. I'm going to call it Makey's Musings. And it's an exclusive podcast just for SVI. I love that. And just for the sake of the listeners, um, to clarify what you mean by a hot seat, because I know what you mean, because I've been oh, in your position. I'm, oh, just oh, I'm using our lingo. <laughs> But yes, do, do tell. What is a hot seat? <laughs> oh, you want me to define it? <laughs> yeah, because you brought it up. So why not? <laughs> oh, I was just I was just thinking, I know what sometimes it's like to listen into something and there's an assumed understanding or an assumed knowledge. So in SVI, the hot seats are, I would say like an open group coaching format, but instead of it just being I've heard you talk about this on your previous podcast interview you did with Anna about in group coaching, sometimes it can be like race to race to the put your hand up or race to get your question answered. It's not like that. Like your space is very small and intimate. Um, I'd say it's more like a focus session. So there's an allocation of time and depending on the size of the group, obviously not everybody would have a question each time there's a hot seat or not everybody maybe would have that availability. But there is that space for you to have laser-focused coaching on an individual with the witnessing of the others. And I love how that you invite others to contribute if they have an insight, but with the permission of the person who's in the hot seat. So it's not like I know in other programs I've been in as a, as a highly sensitive person, I know a lot of your listeners are, you can kind of feel like you're under the microscope. Mm, <laughs> so even yeah. the saying of hot seat might for some people bring up, <gasps> I know in other spaces, hot seat can make me very uncomfortable, but in Mayke's world, it's very safe. It's very permissive. Like, is that a word? It is now. I tend to make up words. <laughs> I, I think it's um, a word. <laughs> as in, you, you, you've, and each and every time you reiterate that permission asking, and and sometimes you can totally say, no, I don't want any insight. I just want to be held or seen or have a space to unpack. But I love that, like, at the end of the session, Mayke's musings with, <laughs> The, the bite-sized things because there is often really deep insights but the reason I think many of us don't listen back is is an hour to get a snippet so I think that's mm. an amazing resource both for yourself and for the participants thank you I'm so, I'm so glad I, I was like well if no one's interested then I might not do this but at the same time I always honor the creative urges because I'm a manifester in terms of human design and something that I've learned about my type is that I don't have that burst of energy very often so whenever I do I need to really honor that and of course I do like to run it by people just so that I'm not completely shooting in the dark but um, most of the time I'm just kind of like lighting a little flame I was like can anybody see this light <laughs> like in this dark here <laughs> but yes. um thank you and I appreciate 
um, your own recollection of your own experience inside of these hot seats because I totally appreciate where you're coming from that feeling of feeling like you're under a microscope sometimes especially if you didn't consent to everybody else chiming in even if they have really good insight that's that's not the point it's not about the quality of insights from other people it's just simply the consent that must be confirmed from the person in it um that's super important um so just want to say thank you for acknowledging that and I'm I'm really glad that that's how you feel inside of the spaces in SBI you're welcome and I love that you you do bring back to it's not necessarily the quality like everybody has valuable ideas and valuable contributions but if it's a sensitive topic for you or if it's something new or you're unsure, often lots of different voices can become really overwhelming. And I know for me it's kind of like when I want to ostrich, head back in the van. <laughs> oh, we'll, just, we'll just park that for another six months, shall we? <laughs> uh, I literally, um, oh, this movie is, is a Disney movie called Bed Knobs and Broomsticks and there's literally a scene, oh, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, um, for, but for anyone who hasn't seen that before, um, basically there is a football game amongst like so many different types of animals and there is like the super strong team like all the alligators and the lions and all that stuff and on the other side is like this really shy hippo and like this ostrich and when the bull comes towards the ostrich it literally sticks his head in the sand (laughs) and I literally just thought of that as you said that but um yeah absolutely and I'm also a highly sensitive person as well and I think because of that um I always put my self in the shoes of another highly sensitive person to kind of see what's overwhelming for me could be overwhelming for other people and I really try to reflect that in the experience because I think um, I've been in quote-unquote intimate spaces before with like over 20 or 30 people to me personally that's not intimate but each is their own Um, and it can be like super I don't know I almost feel like you know you're hiding behind a wall and I feel like the wall's been knocked down like and I'm still wanting to hide behind it sometimes so I like that um I I like to pave out the experience where someone feels like they're stepping out from behind the wall like I'm okay to be seen right now but when I'm ready I I want to go back behind the wall (laughs) so (laughs) you know it's just kind of like giving that retreat option should they want to because it's not in my it's not in their best interest um you know for me to kind of force it out it needs to be consensual all the way through I love that. I know you're a big Disney fan. I'm not sure if this is Disney or Pixar or something else. You might have to correct me. But as you were discussing that, the movie, the film that came to mind for me is The Croods. Have you seen The Croods? Yes, I have. Oh, is that Disney? I think that might be DreamWorks. But anyway, The Croods. I was just saying. It's it's a a cartoony more directed at children, but we love it movie. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like it's safe in the cave. (laughs) Hang out in the cave and there's that teenage type girl who's like, I want to get out of the cave. So sometimes when we join a program, we can be like, yes, I've got that energy. But then when you're in the hot seat or you're presenting your idea or you're having something that's fledgling and you have that, no, I just want to be the dad and stay in the cave because it's safe. And you're inviting people to make their way to the edge of the cave but not dragging them out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. It, it's that fine balance between not dragging people out of the cave nor putting them in it. It's kind of like, well, you yes. choose whether you want to be in and out of this cave. <laughs> I love that. And so for you, the other thing that you mentioned is intimate spaces. And I loved the, how you made mention how we define that differently because you can see sales pages for programs like it 
active group or an intimate space and you get there and it's kind of tons of people or tumbleweeds. So for you, what is like, what does that mean, an intimate space? Well, I'll give a precise number because I, I think that's important to share for this particular context. So for me, intimate is going to be eight people or less per pod. So um, you're, you're actually in, um, I called it the, the AM pod when you joined, but I've actually decided to call it uh, the pomelo pod and the pineapple pod. Because... I always want to change time zones. Oh, for anyone listening, I've got oh, a shirt God. with pineapple written on it. <laughs> But you're technically in the pomelo pod. But, but you could be an honorary pineapple, no problem. Because actually, even if you're in a different pod, like the members in each pod, you are technically all incubuddies, which, you know, shout out to Brie, um, who actually coined that term at the very beginning. But yeah, so the name of the pods, I'm calling it pineapple and pomelo because when I did the whole AM PM thing, it was so confusing because some people AM with other people PM. And I was like, but I love that I got to choose two of my favorite fruits and luckily for me they actually originate in different um the opposite sides of the world so pineapples grow in the Americas and pomelos grow in Asia so pomelo is going to be representative of those in Australia New Zealand Asia um Africa and the UK um Europe as well um wait Europe UK is in Europe but it's not part of the European (laughs) Union we know what you mean Uh, Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, But back to your original question, um, my personal number is going to be eight. And the reason for that is because I think something that is probably glossed over a little bit when people are taught to run a coaching program is to have as many people as possible so that it's scalable in terms of finances. And Mm. that, that I completely understand. I completely appreciate. However, Something that I teach throughout of SVI is really kind of honoring where you are. And what I mean by that is what position you are in, honoring the intersections of your identity, whether they're identities that you're born with or identities that you wind up taking on because of your experiences. And something that I identify as is I am a trauma survivor. And so that Mm. does mean that I'm naturally sensitive to various things various types of people etc etc which is why my vetting process is super strong and also I know I cannot hold an intimate space what I deem to be intimate anyway for 20 people 30 people like how other groups have claimed to be intimate it just doesn't work that way for me so I need to think to myself to which degree um, can I expand this group before it starts compromising my quality of care my quality of delivery and I found that my number is actually pretty small. So financially, it may not be the biggest number. However, I do focus a lot on depth versus breadth because yes. I believe that if I take care of people to the degree of depth I can take them to, that breadth will naturally expand because it's not me individually reaching everyone. It's the people who have taken to that really deep space where they can like shout from the rooftop should they want to for other people to join because I actually would love to be in a space like that personally where I feel like I'm one of a small handful and we go super deep together we build really deep roots and have beautiful interconnected relationships and it's just a community an actual community not just people that get chucked into a room but an actual community that interact oh my goodness mate I've got goosebumps just listening and (laughs) 
I something I want to um, circle back to that you mentioned there was the vetting process because I know for me when I was applying, that was something that was very important to me because there are many programs, like not to speak down, not name and shame or anything, but there are many programs that say they have a vetting process or indicate in a way that, you know, maybe they just accept every... I'm, there's a bit of um, a... It's crickets. Oh, actual crickets. crickets. Oh, okay. Okay, let's call it out. (laughs) Let's call it out because I was like, is that the microphone? Okay. So I just wanted to say, if you can hear a strange noise, May Kay, because it's kind of distracting me, it's crickets. (laughs) Actual crickets. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Actual crickets because we've had, at the time of recording this, 700 mils of rain over the last three days, so more rain than the UK gets in a year. (laughs) right here right now so there's a lot of nature situation happening outside because <laughs> i was like huh i thought it was a microphone thing but it was it's actual crickets but that the crickets are not involved in our conversation in the the you know the the, the metaphorical sense it's like oh it's crickets as in like no one's talking like no we are talking there's just actual crickets outside <laughs> yeah, so the, the creature a cricket yes <laughs> The, the thing I wanted to circle back to is your vetting process because I know for me when I am considering applying for a program, that's something that is is very important to me. Like what what is, is a space that is, because especially as it is a small intimate space and the thing that you alluded to and I can say that you've done as a participant, it's not you just throwing up to eight people together, have fun. <laughs> it's really <laughs> creating this community, but not in a forced way. Like also groups I've been in, it's like, let's all work with each other and comment on each other's stuff. And that's just Mm. like, no, but how it's happened very naturally to be part of, to witness, it's just beautiful. But the question I um, (laughs) got away from, but is the vetting process. Can you tell the listeners a bit about that? Because I know sometimes another thing that many of us highly sensitive people tend to do is we don't want to apply for a a call, like we don't want to waste your time. So Mm. can you talk a bit about how your vetting process works and if anyone is kind of on the fence but is really worried about like wasting your time, what's your, what do you have to say about that? Oh, do you know what? I, I find that this seems to be quite a common feeling amongst those in my community in particular. Like they're so considerate that they're like, oh, I, I don't. And that already tells me something about themselves, that they they are conscious about how much space they take up on someone else's time in someone else's space. So that already is actually a good sign for me personally. If you feel that way, if you're like, oh, I, like, I don't want to waste your time. I'm like, OK, you're already a very considerate person. That's already a good sign. But um, yeah, when it comes to the application process, honestly, it's both for me and you. And the reason why I say that is because, um, like I said, with the number of people, it's not the most financially abundant number. However, I need to know that I can take care of this many people. So the application process is for me to know if I feel safe with you. (laughs) And I don't think a lot of... um, program runners, facilitators, uh, uh, people who run group coaching programs. I don't think they really talk about that that much. Maybe they don't feel that, but I absolutely do. Because again, I need to see everything I do through the lens of my own trauma. And so that means that there are various characters that I personally find um, they hinder, they make me kind of want to shrink. And if I get that feeling 
from someone then I can't let them in and it's not because uh, I don't want them it's because I know that I can't do them a great service if I feel like I shrink in their presence and they are much better off with somebody else who is ready to take them on and so it's very much a two-way street this vetting process I want to make sure that I feel safe enough with you but absolutely the other the other way around as well I want people to feel safe enough to tell me how they like to be held um a a very important question that I have to ask because um some of the content in SVI is naturally very tender and it can bring up a lot of stuff and I need to like put my stake in the ground and say hey my scope ends at a certain point when it ventures into therapy territory as much as I want to be the one to hold your hand, trust me, I do, I really do want to be the one to hold your hand through it all. It's not right for me to do that because I'm not professionally trained yet. So the question I always ask now is, do you have um, access to your preferred healing modality of choice? Should the content in this program bring up things that are outside of my scope of practice? It's a bit of a long-winded question, I know, but don't worry, you you, you can read it (laughs) like on on the application process. And the reason for that, again, is so that they know ahead of time what could happen and to have kind of like something in their back pocket, whether it's a person, whether it's a crystal, whether, again, whichever healing modality of choice, because there's no judgment there, everybody chooses their own thing. They need to know of that beforehand so that they can go to that when I can't be the one to hold them through the process. And that's really love- hard for me to admit, by the way. <laughs> I, I love that. And I think a lot of the listeners will really appreciate that because sometimes in our quest or our desire to help, you know, as, as helpers, having the boundary of, of what is ours to help with and what isn't in a, in a loving and caring way, being really clear, as we know, I love Brene Brown, uh, or Mae and I know, everyone else is like, <laughs> but Brene Brown says clear is kind. And as a participant of the program, I've really loved that both from, from the outset and where you've reiterated it um, during the program about, you know, what the space is for and what it's not for, but not in a harsh kind of, well, like, off you go kind of thing, but in a, you know, in a clear way. So if someone's thinking of applying, how is the how does the process run? So the doors are going to be open between the 9th of August and sometime in September. Like I can't remember the date at the top of my head, but it will be available in the show notes because when I actually go back and like edit this and upload, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's the day. So check out the dates in the show notes. This is, this is in 2022. So if you're listening past this time in 2023 onwards, then the dates will change, but the link is always going to be the same. So the link, by the way, is www.makeysang.com forward slash apply. And when it's when the doors are closed, that will be a waitlist page. Um, but so you don't need to worry about changing different links or anything like that. That's always going to be the link. When the doors are open, the applications will be there. But when the doors are closed, it will be a wait list. So there's always a way to kind of like let me know that you are interested. So how it works when the doors are open, you'll probably see me talking about it on email, especially on Instagram, because Instagram is my jam, but the algorithm is really kicking my ass lately. So <laughs> 
might do more email this time. Um, but yeah, you read the page. And if you find any form of resonance and you're interested, there will be a, um, a button for you to apply. And then you'll fill out some of these questions. Some of these questions are really for the basis of our conversation. I do not let anyone in without a call. And I am sorry in advance. I'm kind of sorry, not sorry. I'm sorry in advance for those who really don't like getting on calls because they already know they want to be a part of it. That's great. But I still need to know from my perspective as well. And I really want to emphasize this because for any of you who are listening, who may want to run your own programs in the future, you get to feel safe in your own space as well. Like, yes, it's the place for you to serve other people, but your service to them can only go so far if you feel like you've compromised your own values or your own boundaries in the process. So it really must be a two-way, beautiful, co-creative space that you put together, in my opinion. Um, But yeah, so you read the page, you apply if you want to. And I do want to provide an option for those of you who prefer to speak versus a write so you can absolutely like read all the questions and just send me a loom video like it's not gonna be oh, a, I love it it's not like a super um like I, I was gonna do like video applications all of that but that that tech is a bit outside of my my zone right now <laughs> I'm so not a techie person I need Betty Betty <laughs> I need you uh Betty is one of our um our other members by the way if you're wondering like who am I shouting at um but yeah, so if you want to do video application, there'll just probably be like a little um, a little note underneath the application button. It's like, if you want to send in a video, just click on this button so you know what the questions are. Send me a loom at this email. And then we'll take it. I love it. We'll take that as an application as well. And actually, I do want to say why as well. So, mm, 100%. Um, so I was interviewed by a friend of mine and she told me that she actually felt triggered by my application process because I said that depending on how they respond on the application if it's like one-worded answers and and things like that to me that doesn't show that degree of interest and she said to me I actually find that very triggering and I was like oh okay could you tell me why like if you're open to sharing and she said yeah um I have dyslexia so I'm a very good speaker but when I write the degree of articulation is severely diminished because of that and I couldn't unhear that after I heard it and I so appreciate her for being open with sharing that with me and I can see oh okay that's another blind spot of mine something I didn't consider so that's why there is an option should people want to send in a video application and then of course they can book a call no problem I love that so much can I add something as a participant thing that I enjoyed about the application process yes please it's a it's a bigger ticket item compared to things that I'd invested in before and for me when things like that I make bigger investments, my imposter complex. And I know this term now from SVI because before I would have called it (laughs) imposter syndrome. So if you're like, oh, what does that mean? Um, My imposter complex can get triggered like, do I belong? Am I in the right place? All that kind of stuff. The stories we tell ourselves when our brain runs away Mm. with us. And a little reminder for me was like, yes, you know, I chose to be here, but also make hey chose me. Like it, it's not just something 
that, you know, I put myself into. It's like I was vetted, I was accepted, I was invited. And that was a really big thing whenever my brain started, you know, going down that not good enough story that I'm sure everybody's brain goes through, but we're convinced we're the only ones. It was something like, you know, not only do I choose to be here, but I was chosen as well. Mm. Oh, bless. I'm so glad that you feel that way, that you felt chosen because you you were, you are chosen. <laughs> and I think that feeling may have come about because, again, it's a two-way street. And I will, again, put my stake in the ground to share, yes, I do do this for myself as well. I need to know that I feel safe enough with the people who I choose to be a part of the circle, because that means I can go to the degree of depth that I originally intended. And if I find anything, even if this is my own stuff, which is why I am more than happy to recommend people to to different coaches, if I feel that I'm not the one for them, because it really does do them a disservice. I'm like, oh, do you know, I'm going to buy my tongue and accept you anyway, because I need the money. No, like there have been plenty of decisions where I could have made a lot more money. But to me, the cost is so much greater when it's a mental cost, knowing again, if I've taken someone on, which is, um, which has increased the financial abundance. But if it comes at a mental cost, that to me is so, is so big. And um, again, highly sensitive person. I'm a trauma survivor. I'm an introvert. So I'm like, yeah, I really got to take care of my mental health. (laughs) And so, yeah, got to go to these depths, not just for myself, but for other people. It's again, it's two-way street, two-way street. Yes, 100%. So another question I have, what would you say is the overarching mission like in SVI we do watch some videos and there's some trainings and stuff about you know creating your mission and you share ones that you like but I've never actually asked you what's yours with for SVI oh that that's a really on the spot here (laughs) yeah I'm like darn I don't have my uh what's it called um s something you need oh no USP like what's the USP of SVI that's that's pretty much the question um but the overarching mission that's um something that I don't think I've articulated very well before or maybe I haven't even just thought of it because it's just kind of a thing that that got downloaded in <laughs> like in my brain and that. just got birthed into the world but the whole purpose of me even running this and the reason why I love it so much is because it's something that always stays with you because it's not a prescriptive way of doing things the approach may be somewhat like guided yes but I love that it's a space where people get to kind of really discover and explore their own way that works for them and that will stay with them for the lifetime of their business the lifetime of their lives because there are some parts of this program which can absolutely be applicable to their personal lives of course we do focus a little bit more on business but I love that this stays with you. It can never be outdated. So if anything, the whole purpose of this program is to discover what your kind of like your timeless approach to showing up is. Ooh, your timeless approach to showing up. I love that. Yes, I love how you say it's not a prescription because it's interesting. Um, I can share as a participant, Maykay and Annie are really great about asking what your goals are at the beginning or your intentions or what you're hoping to get from SVI. And 
where the areas are that you might want some training so they can direct you to a resource or potentially have a resource be created if it's of benefit to many or that kind of thing. But where I'm just thinking back, like if I went back and looked at, because I would have kept a copy because I'm one of those type A personalities. And I remember at the very beginning, I wanted to start my own podcast. (laughs) That hasn't (laughs) happened. Um, And a few other things. And it's kind of like, but where I am now, like as a result of all this and following the flow and the encouragement and of the incubities and make and that, I absolutely love it. But it's not, it's not the kind of program it'd be like, this is the checklist or this is the formula. As you said, it's not prescriptive. So I was curious about like how you would describe the overall vision or mission for people who were like, you know, maybe more type A like me who were like, okay, but what actually is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the program is not for everyone because I, I appreciate the value that does come with prescriptive sort of approaches because it's like, oh, it's super simple. It's one, two, three, right? But because this process invites you to to co-create with me, like what your own path is, like I'm just your guide. And so that's why if you say you want something, I'm going to, okay, go for it. But if you say, oh, actually, I don't want anymore. I'm like, okay, that's your decision. Because it, like you're not meant to keep yourself accountable to me, you know? Is that you don't need my gold star of approval. I'm happy to give as many gold stars as possible, but that's not the goal. The goal is for you to take accountability for yourself and to be in a space where you get to trip up and make mistakes and not shame yourself for it, nor feel judged for it by other people. Because this whole point is like, hey, I'm going to fall flat on my face, maybe, if I try this new thing. But I love that each of you like come to these hot seats, for example, with your own win, that to some, it may seem like such a small thing, like opening up an Instagram account, for example, but to others, it can be like, oh my gosh, I have stopped myself from doing this for years, but now I've finally done it. To me, that's an incredible feat because it's no one else's path, but your own. Like I'm, I'm not putting us all at the same start of the race and going at the same pace. No, 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 no. It's like, you go at your own pace so long as you find your own finish line or actually there is no finish line really it's like just find your own milestone points and that's what I'm there for I'm not there to dictate where those milestones are I love that and also it's all in the name like sustainable visibility because there can be some things that you're like oh I'll I'll try this and it's great for like five minutes (laughs) (laughs) and then you're like this is taking my energy or this is taking a lot more time and it's it's finding and for me too the other thing with with visibility with being seen that I've learned over the, the past year is when you're seen you're seen by everyone not necessarily the people who are your ideal people the people who get you so I I remember at the very beginning I didn't have an Instagram account like I had one as in I've had it for a few years but I never posted on it or anything I was like eh, Instagram's not for me and then I spoke to May Kay about wanting to do reels. And then I sat on it for like six months. And then I was like, oh, the program's ending. Better do a reel. It doesn't matter. Nobody will watch it anyway. And then as the time of recording this, it's at over 65,000 views. <laughs> there was a, my big learning from that was delete, don't defend. So there is, you know, mm. comments that aren't necessarily. But back to the program, I think that's what I love about it. And and for people listening, what I wanted to convey and want to hear your take on it is having that space where it's not a prescription where we all do these exact things, but it's more meeting the participants where they're at 
in guiding them. I loved how you said guide to where they say they want to go and then course correcting if you so happen to fall on your face, as we all do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, oh, gosh, because... I like to think, um, like we, we talked about this distinction before, how I personally no longer look up to people. I look to people who are kind of further ahead. But I would be out of my mind if I thought if I thought to myself, oh, I am the one who's further ahead than everyone, like in every single aspect, because that is not true. There are plenty of different areas that each of you respectively bring that you are so much further ahead than me. <laughs> and that is fine because I know that. I know that my zone of genius is space holding. Like that is my thing. And I I can help people like look into themselves and be around other people who look into themselves where they get to witness each other and all of that. And that is a whole learning process. It's so beautiful, right? So I really try to de-pedestalize myself. If if anyone puts me on a pedestal, I'm like, nope, just gonna jump right off back right there. <laughs> because it's really about centering your own experience and just being around other people who are doing the same thing but I love how each of you like in each both pods you look out for each other in ways that I didn't tell you it was kind of like in primary school we got told like be best friends with the person next to you on the register <laughs> because you're going to be seeing each other a lot you got to be best friends right now um so when you said earlier about this community feeling is not forced it just comes naturally I do believe it's because of the approach of it. It's like, hey, we make the space together. I would be like one of the greatest compliments I've ever received about this program is when someone said, I feel like I'm held here because in other spaces, especially bigger ones who claimed, which claim to be intimate, I feel like I've had to hold myself next to other people oh, and it's a very yes. different feeling and I and I was blown away I felt so honored that this person felt held yes I can really relate to that so the other thing I wanted to ask you've mentioned we've talked about the hot seats we've talked about the trainings we've talked about the coming of the private podcast <laughs> what about the integration retreats are they still going to be a thing in 3.0 and do you want to talk about them oh well actually the integration retreats they are um they were actually a recommendation from one of the the 1.0 members and the reason why they said like oh could we have something like that is because the it was too it was a bit unclear when it would move from phase one to phase two to phase three and I was like oh okay so it's kind of like in a marathon, there's just often like these tables where like people stop for a moment to have a drink. They have like the, the wet towel to kind of wipe their sweat and all of that. It's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go back and run in a minute at my own pace. But for now, I'm just going to rest here, just kind of reflect on what I've done so far. And yeah, they, they very well may stay. This might change on the sales page. I don't know. It depends if people want it. But um, I do like the idea that it's just kind of um, a clear transition from phase one to phase two to phase three, which I don't think I've actually talked about the phases. <laughs> no, I was just, that's my, was my next question is going to be because it's, I, I, I do love whether you keep the integration retreats or, or not, but having that end market and the way you described it with a marathon not that I'd ever run a marathon for me to finish a marathon I'd need an ambulance I've seen them on tv I, I know that you know the station the break the um the moment 
to transition, a transition point between the phases. So with that being said, can you talk to us about the phases? Yes, absolutely. So this is something that has changed over the last two rounds. Um, So it's going to look ever so slightly different. You're actually experiencing it in real time right now, which is, I think is just super meta, super cool. Um, But yeah, this is just something that again I've learned because I really want to move away from prescriptive teachings um, as much as I can when it comes to business strategy and the reason for that is because each to their own on whatever whichever um, visibility strategy people want to kind of move forward with so that's why I've actually I'm developing like a bank of trainings and you self-select which ones you want to do. If you want to start a podcast, there's a training on that. If you want to pitch podcast, there's a training on that. If you want to do Instagram content, um, there's a training for that. You know, like I want to have a bank of that already in the background so you can just choose as you go. But I really wanted to change up phase two, but let me talk about phase one first. So phase one, I'm calling, I've called it unbecoming. And the reason why I call it that is because it's very much about stripping away the shoulds and just like really going deep into yourself. So this is where we have our amazing guest. We have Tanya Geisler, who comes and talk about imposter complex, for example. We talk about um, capacity in terms of piggy banks. I've done it as cups before, done as piggy banks. It might be a different metaphor. Who knows? Uh, but we talk about, you know, being very aware of our capacity, designing our boundaries. So it's all of that before we even start placing ourselves out there. I don't like saying putting because putting feels very forceful. Placing sounds a lot more consensual. So before we place ourselves out there, it's us being very self-aware of how much we can bring to the table at a given time, how that shifts when things happen. Because if we see us ourselves as showing up as a very linear process, we're actually kind of n- not taking into account how much we change as life happens. So it's kind of like we need a plan for when we could put our best selves forward. We also need a plan where we can kind of show up, no problem. And we also need a plan when we're actually like, our very 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 max capacity there's not much we can give but we still are showing up in some shape or form so I really like the layered approach to showing up there and we focus on all of that in phase one for unbecoming then phase two is when we start thinking about how we're going to place ourselves out there so this is when you start self-selecting trainings you can watch in your own time sometimes we have watch parties if there are trainings that everybody wants to kind of um, attend so we've done watch parties before which is super fun which is where like I play a training we're all there and I'm there to pause it to answer any questions etc etc but what I'm changing this time around is phase two is going to be all about navigating leadership so we've had conversations about this before about how we can hold space for others communities and um, how we can like really work with kind of like it's almost like we're intentionally catastrophizing a little um like what is the worst case scenario that could happen should we show up in a space that actually wasn't safe for us and it's really kind of like thinking that far ahead so we have a plan in place to protect ourselves so we navigate this leadership as we show up more because whether you believe it or not you actually are showing up more as a leader the more you do and What comes with that are things that we probably kind of just kind of hash out and we're like, oh, this could work. 
this could work. <laughs> and just kind of fingers crossing and guessing along the way. So I really want to have phase two as an intentional space where you both get to, you know, you show up more with the strategies that you want to move forward with, but you also talk about how it feels for you as you do that. Love it. So that's phase two. And phase three is called active amplification. That's when you go all out with those strategies, but you get some practice time. So this is also another reason why I've chosen such a small number. I've chosen eight people or less per pod because each person is going to have their opportunity to run a mock workshop or have a mock interview. And that is so you get to practice the things you want to talk about, your signature topics. If you want to try out a new idea, but you don't want to kind of use your your actual clients as a practice for something, you want to see how it actually lands. That is what your respective pod is for. They're to witness you, to hold you, to provide feedback that you've asked for by raising your hand for this mock workshop or interview. And so again, you get a little bit more confidence instilled in you as you talk about your signature topics. So everybody is going to have an allocated slot should they want to. If people don't want to, then they're more than welcome to just sit back and be, you know, a participant of someone else's interview or workshop. But it's I want everybody to be able to have a practice point. And that's not something that I've ever been given the opportunity for inside of anyone else's program where you just get to practice. You run it as an official thing, but to practice it is a different sort of energy. It comes with like that, um, oh, what's this word that my friend uses? Um, scrappy. It's like you get to crumb, uh, crumb, you get to come as your scrappy self and kind of like just try out ideas on the spot and not feel judged for it because you know that you're trying. Mm. So that is what phase three is for. You get to practice, you get to try. So when you do go out there in front of your own audience, in front of other people's audiences, you would have already had some practice under your belt. Yes. So those are the three phases. That, that was a big 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 sort of of, uh I don't even know what the word is but big picture zoom out bird's eye view yes 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 (laughs) I zoomed out completely so you can see exactly what's entailed in all of these phases because yeah I don't know how much of that I I articulate on the sales page sometimes so here you go (laughs) yeah no I loved that um that gives me a lot more detail I've been through it but having been on the other side of it and the the uh, the signature topics that you spoke about we did very recently and for me, as a, the participant, as the presenter, the feedback I received wasn't what I anticipated. So there was it was it was really good and really valuable. And yes, the other thing I want to mention is there's a pie graph or a diagram or something that you show, and I'm sure you showed it at the quite close to the beginning with the unbecoming. It's like where are the strategies that you're currently showing up, and are they like? I'm probably going to butcher how you explain it, but like, you know, internal or external, are they to people you already know, like warm or cold? There we go. See, I'm not a business coach. <laughs> like warm or cold audience strategies and and how much energy does it take? And then you've shown that same diagram a number of times throughout the program. And what's been valuable as a participant is seeing the iteration of, of my own business and the ones that I've leaned towards and the ones that I've leaned away from. And I remember some of them in in the beginning when you first showed it, I was like, I'd never do that. (laughs) Not that I had anything against it, but it just didn't feel like it aligned that where I was. And then later on, it's like, oh, actually, 
I'm really enjoying that or I'm, I'm looking into that aspect. And that I think comes into the three phases because in unbecoming, it's like often, well, I'm speaking from my own experience and I'm generalizing it, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who has done things in a certain way because that's what you've been told that you do in business. And when you come into SVI and you're like, lovingly, like I'm very blunt, make I wouldn't say it like this, but if I was to Suzify it, how's that working out for you? <laughs> so, no, you say it much more lovingly and caringly and gently, but then it's kind of like, then you can see all these other options and then have a look at, I'd say cost benefit analysis, but not in mm. the, you know, but in it, like what's the cost to not just your time, but your energy, your capacity, when you talked about the piggy banks and, and harvest moon becomes a big oh. part of SBI and the yield and the crops. And if you're listening <laughs> to this, you're like, what is she talking about? But it's not just like, and I love how you say it overarching with your program. It's not just how many bottoms can I get in seats? Look at me being all good with my language. <laughs> <laughs> to maximize how much I can make, but creating this community, creating this space that is a fit for both but also like allowing that ripple effect into the, the clients' as businesses so we don't get stuck in this wheel of things that don't feel aligned for us. Mm. Oh, gosh. Well, you made me super happy when you talked about Harvest Moon because that was one of my favourite trainings that I ran. When um, So for those of you are like, hey, excuse me, like we're still here. Like you're talking in your own language. So Harvest Moon is a game that I played as a kid and to be honest, as an adult as well, every now and then. Um, and basically you you run your own farm. And I use that as an example because I really wanted to take the context of farming into visibility strategies because there are some crops in the game that are regenerative, meaning that you plant it once and it yields several times in that season. And um, there are some crops that you only plant once and you, and you yield it once and, the, and it's done, right? So you have to keep planting them. So the training was regenerative visibility strategies and kind of like identifying which ones are your sweet potatoes and which ones are your carrots. So the sweet potatoes are regenerative in the game. And so I'm asking people, what are your sweet potatoes, i.e. which strategy regenerates for you? You do it once and you get loads of yields from it. And what are the things that you kind of do it once, but it kind of stays in there and it doesn't have any legs to carry through anywhere else. So for example, an Instagram story, if you don't put it on a highlight, that could be an an example of a carrot because it's fleeting. It just goes into the ether of the internet if you don't save it somewhere. But a podcast interview, for example, you record it once and when it gets um, uh, uploaded, right, the interview, it's, it stays in on the ether of the internet. It can, it's searchable, right? If you Google my name, there's at least eight pages of interviews on there because they regenerate right and um oh there was something else what 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 see is this what happens when i talk about harvest moon just just kind of gets away from me um there's something oh was it right. how people are showing up like warmer and colder yes. was it that yes um so for those who have no clue what suzanne's talking about um and actually you wouldn't know unless you're in the program because i don't really share this very often outside of private spaces but um, giving away all the secrets here today yeah, people. you're yeah. welcome <laughs> best interviewer um yeah so what Zidane's talking about is is what I call my visibility expansion model and it's where I show the different quadrants of how one can show up in a in on your personal platform 
on someone else's platform, whether it's private and whether it's public. And you're like, what? Well, you've got to attend the workshop <laughs> to, to find out what I'm talking about. But basically, I just illustrate different ways that you can show up. Some people only like showing up privately, and it's because they're very self-aware of how much they can take should they receive some backlash right and so when you're in private spaces it's a lot more curated with a lot more trusted people where you have close connections to so for example running a workshop in one of my peers is mastermind like I, I'm very grateful to receive that invitation a lot um, so that's a private space so shout out to my friend Safira Rajan, for example, she's actually been a guest on this podcast too. Uh, she's invited me into her mastermind. Literally, I'm running it today, <laughs> um, later on today. <clears throat> and I trust Safira because like, we are, we're both manifestors actually in human design and we're, we're actually really good friends. And so I know that the kind of people she would attract into her space, because I know what her vesting process is like too, then I know I'm going to feel safe enough to share more intimate things. But if I'm on a podcast, for example, with someone who I know of, probably I'm not super besties with them, but I still feel like this collaboration could work. There are going to be some things I hold back from, from telling, not because I don't know it, but simply because I'm aware of where, like how this information could be misconstrued and the kind of backlash that could come back my way. And I know my capacity is very small when it comes to backlash because again, super highly sensitive. And I'm just like, I don't really like feedback unless I ask for it. Cause I think it's just unsolicited advice, <laughs> which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, so I always, I think that far in advance when it comes to how much I show, how much I share and where. And so that model, the visibility expansion model will help you self-identify where you're currently showing up, how it's doing for you, as you said, Suzanne, like, like how's that going for you? Um, where you might want to experiment and where you might want to contract in order to expand your capacity for different things. So it's very much a like a self-identification, self-awareness kind of model when you look at it. It's not a linear thing. It's like it's very self-selective that way because, again, this whole program is about you, like really designing what's best for you. I um I just want to add to that, and then I think we're getting towards the end. So <laughs> two questions to ask before we finish. Oh. But I really want to say the visibility expansion model, I honestly think it's it was worth the price of investment of the program to really understand that because it's honestly priceless because I know in business, I'm only speaking from my point of view, but I'm sure I'm not alone it can really feel like throwing spaghetti at the wall or doing things because that's what's done. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, but I feel like part of me is dying inside. And when you look at that that visibility model and, and place yourself on there and see like where am I now and where do I have the possibility to grow? So the, the part that you spoke about, like speaking in other people's masterminds or programs, um, you, you spoke to that and you were saying like you could get paid for this. This was at the very beginning. I was like, <laughs> well, I can't get paid for that. <laughs> now, like nearly a year later, I have done two paid trainings and I have two more booked where I have been asked to present in people's masterminds and I've been paid for it. And you know, there's that. And also the other thing that you spoke to was when you said, I don't like feedback I haven't asked for because that's unsolicited advice, things like that. Like I felt very much like that before, but I never had, I was going to say the stones <laughs> to actually say, 
no, I, I, I'm not in a place to receive this or thank you for thinking of me, but I don't want to hear it and not make that feel like, you know, I should just be open to, to everybody. Um, but to, you know, have that, that boundary in place to say, actually, I, I don't want feedback of this at this stage or, you know, cause it's, I just, I'm so excited. <laughs> my voice is getting ahead of my, of my mouth, my brain, but you know, when you're a little kid and you're really excited about something and you just want to go and show everyone and they're just, they don't care. <laughs> so it's just learning to, to choose your audience that you, that you show the thing to and having that space where you can be like, look at my new website or I just did a real check it out. And they're going to be like, yes, be your cheerleaders with that. Not, oh, what's she doing now? Um, that's something really valuable from the program. Oh, thank well, I, I love, I love where you kind of tripped over your own words because you're just so excited, bless you, it's so sweet. <laughs> Uh, but I appreciate what you said about the model, um, like really understanding that was actually the whole course of the program and how it felt worth it, the, the investment for you. And by the way, I, I'm not shying away from sharing what the investment is. So something different, actually, that I'm going to be doing for the third round may not be for the fourth round. We shall see. But I'm actually going to be offering different tiers because I realize that not everybody necessarily wants private time with me. So everybody so far in 1.0 and 2.0 have had personal access to me on Voxer or Slack, because if you if you like writing, then Slack. Voxer, you can also write, but it's mainly as a walkie-talkie. Um, so um, Voxer access and one-on-one uh, coaching calls, if you want that, then there will be that tier for you. And that's going to be at 10K USD. And of course, there are extended payment plans, like 12 months, maybe even 18 months if you ask for it. Um, so that is tier one. But I'm only I only have the capacity to do that for five people. Right. And when those five spots are gone, then they're, they're gone, if at all. But there's going to be another tier that I'm going to call. I think I've called it the. Yeah, it's so the the private access one is called the curation tier because it's a lot more curation because of that private access to me. But if you feel like you don't need that and you really just want to be stuck in with the community and like just really go from there, then there's the community tier. And that basically comes with all of the things except from the private access and the one-on-one coaching calls. But I'm still going to be there. It's intimate enough that I will respond to, you know, whatever you post in Slack, which is our is, is our community hub of communication. Um, so I'm not going to be like, oh, bye, like after every single call, like I will respond <laughs> like in Slack, but with regards to like private messages, unless it's just something you want me to know, like just want me to witness, that's fine. I'm happy to acknowledge that. But for actual coaching through these one-on-one messages in between calls, that will be for the curation tier only. But the community tier, you get the community feel, but you still get some degree of access to me, but just not so much one-on-one and that is going to be at 7500 so 7500 usd again extended payments plans available um so that's different because i really wanted to acknowledge that not everybody necessarily wants that one on one um so and i know my capacity now is 5 <laughs> so so i'm like okay i could do that for 5 people and there are 11 other spots in the communities here i guess but you don't need to worry about the allocation of stuff i will be very clear when there are no spots left so I love that. I love the price transparency is another thing that I really loved about working with you. I'm the same. I have my prices up front everywhere. And just random fact, 
five is also my capacity for what would be my curation. I call it my VIP, but I don't really like that anymore because it makes everyone else not feel important. But anyway. Can we talk about that for a minute? I'm like, I I don't know how to make. Oh, so I just felt like curation felt like it felt less personal, like personally directed, if that makes sense. It's like, it's more curated. Should you want this? But it's like VIP under the red velvet rope. There you go. But everybody who's not past the velvet rope. There you go. You're still on the dance floor. You're still in the club. But I don't like that feeling. That's why, like, I want to shy away from. Um, I get, I get it. Like, like most people know this in the in the coaching industry anyway. The whole VIP day feel. Like, I get it. But I'm like, but everybody's important to me, though. (laughs) So yeah, no, a hundred percent. I've been toying with this idea for quite some time now because it's like what's everyone else like they're important too but uh, you mm. know curation I don't know it's something but like I did try for a while like having like you know platinum and diamond mm. like and then I was like it just got confusing so yeah, yeah I, I feel you access what it in, in whatever way that you want to um describe it like more one-to-one access or one-to-one support so yes exactly and actually what you said there about the platinum and the gold and all of that um, it may be confusing about you know what's what's um, involved in it, but also because I think we are so accustomed to seeing this out in the industry, where actually these different tiers are very hierarchical. Yes, and you don't so much that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, hmm, how? It's the same with the whole looking up versus looking to people, because looking up is a is again you're you're reinforcing this hierarchical like division between you and someone else. But if you if you look forward to someone, you're actually on the same level. It's just a different distance that you've kind of like gone to, and that's the same reason why um, I never called the pods like A and B one and two it's because I'm like no I want to remove the whole hierarchical thing so I'm like fruits fruits are pretty neutral (laughs) I hope um so it's kind of like you know it's an extra as in there is more involved it's kind of like the pizza and then the pizza and garlic bread (laughs) 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 or vegan pizza and garlic bread anyway but you know like so it's just it's just more access or more you know there is more but not as you said, hierarchical. It's yeah. not you're any any less important, any less valued, or yeah, yeah. It's, it's something. And I think anyone who is listening, who's nodding and laughing, like you get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't know. It's just ah, uh, it's just when I'm on the receiving end, I'm like oh, like if I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're less important to me because of how much they can pay that that's the biggest thing so that's why um I would I really hope that this comes across to anybody who's interested in joining by the way um that the curation tier is only if you want more of me it's not about me wanting more or less of you it's whether you want more of me (laughs) and And, yeah can I just add we didn't have these tiers in 2.0 but there was um you get heaps of make in whichever because a few times you've said like do you want to book your one-on-one I'm like I get one-on-ones like <laughs> I've read the I've read the agreement and I've read all that sort of stuff but the, the program itself is so inclusive um and there's so there's uh, you know so much to it that you don't necessarily would be requiring the extra though I do love the Voxer support I'm the voice note person slack I'm just like oh written no <laughs> so you know and it's just choosing what's going to be most supportive of you rather than it's going to be a different experience 
Thank you for saying that. And and yeah, you you've you've already um experienced like one-on-one naturally um when, when you're when you're the any person who's able to show up for a call, for example, because you know our pods have been very small. But actually, I do want to loop back very quickly before we start to wrap up. Um the re- also another reason why I chose an eight for the um max number of people per pod is because of the allocation of time that I have for hot seats is 19 minutes and I want to make sure that everybody has at least like 12 minutes or so per person and that doesn't sound like a lot but you'd be surprised (laughs) how much you can how much can come out um, and because like, if there are more people, because um, recently, because these uh, the pods in 2.0 have been quite small, everybody's been able to kind of like freely process and find their question as they're processing. But to respect everybody's time and so that no, that no one person that monopolizes the time of everybody else, um, there will be like just a, like a mini process before hot seats, just let, letting me know beforehand who wants one or not so that way I know how much time gets allocated I just like divide the 90 minutes by eight or however many numbers of people um, want that so that way I know how to time my responses and how I guide the whole process Um, but I never wanted to exceed the number where it feels like everybody has to race for a spot every gets a pre-allocated spot unless you want to opt out and just witness for that time so that's also another reason why I've kept it so small I love that I love that so much and yeah something about that time space and being able to step in and yeah awesome so as we wrap up I've got two questions <laughs> that I'd love to ask you. So it'd be awesome to be on the receiving end. So, Maykay, what makes you a quiet rebel? Oh, gosh. Do you know what? Now I know how my guests feel. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, this, this answer honestly changes all the time. The reason why I chose the word quiet is not because of it. I don't want that to indicate a lack of impact or a lack of presence in any way. The reason why I chose the word quiet is because I don't believe that the people who make a difference in this world are only the people who are super loud, they grab the microphone at any chance they get and just kind of like bulldoze over anyone else's experiences or thoughts or opinions. I like to believe that the whole quiet part of the rebellion is that it's very invitational. It's not like, Mm -hmm. hey, we're here. We're going to kind of like not the status quo because like the status quo works for some people, right? It just doesn't work for all of us. And so Mm -hmm. I believe that the whole quiet rebellion is just expanding the space outside of the status quo and inviting anyone else along who resonates with that. So I feel like it's less forceful and it's a lot more invitational. It's kind of like, um, oh, I, I don't know what the word is, but it's kind of like word of it's like word of mouth almost, like the word of mouth invitations that it's not publicly promoted all the time. It's just like if you hear about it and you like it, then you go along to it, and that's all. And that's all it is. And that's the kind of people that I know that I attract in my community. Everybody is so considerate. Everybody is always questioning and they're always curious about what other ways things could be done. They're not discounting what can be done or what quote unquote works, but they're curious about how something else could work differently because how things currently are 
it doesn't agree with them. It feels out of integrity for them a lot of the time. And so they're like, hey, we're just going to experiment here. So we're all over here just experimenting, exploring, getting curious. And those are the kind of people who I deem as quiet rebels. I love that. The curiosity piece really resonates with me because as, as a child, that wasn't encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> And the other question is, what's one weird fact or fun story that no one knows about you on the internet? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I'm just kind of looking around for cues in my room, like, <laughs> is there anything that I have not told? Hmm. Now I understand how... Um, my friend uh, Rai Schwartz felt he was my first ever guest on this on this podcast, and he sh- and he, uh, he he actually has publicly shared this on his Facebook, by the way. So this is not like um, information that isn't mine to tell. But he said like, "Oh, I agonized for a good old six minutes of silence before I answered May K. And I'm not sure how many minutes you're going to be here for, Suzanne. <laughs> um, ah. <laughs> Oh god, I'm actually really struggling with it. Ah! <laughs> Do you know what? I okay, this one's pretty personal, but I'm looking at this photo of my partner and I right now. It's my Polaroid. It's actually quite a sweet thing that came out of a, a quite a really teary sort of confession that I had to towards my partner. Um, the, you know, there's a time where you feel like you can't adult that day <laughs> and it makes you question what you're capable of. And oh, I think I'm getting a bit teary myself. <sighs> when I couldn't adult a particular day, I think I was also on my cycle as well. So I think I was extra hormonal but I don't want to discount the feeling in itself. I thought to myself, if I can't do this, then how on earth could I be a mum? Oh. And I question my ability all the time. Like, it, like I need to get my shit together. Because if I don't, how am I going to be when the babies arrive? And my heart sank at the thought of not being ready and missing my time to have them. And I was crying my eyes out. My partner was just listening. And my amazing, amazing cat, Luna, she was looking outside of the windowsill at this time. But as soon as I said out loud, I don't know if I'll ever be ready to be a mum. I kid you not, Suzanne. She was looking out the window, but she turned around. She meowed. She came directly to me. She nuzzled my hand and she nestled in my lap. Oh. And my partner was just watching in awe. Like all of this happened in real time. She was like, did that actually just happen um but I my cats are amazing and um, I was upset 
over another thing the other day and Loki, my other cat, um, so they're both siblings, uh, Scottish Straits, uh, champagne colour if you don't know. Um, but I was also upset about something, can't recall what it is, but I was definitely really, really upset about it. And then he did something similar. He was actually on my partner's lap, saw me, started crying. And then he came over to me and he's actually the, the less affectionate cat towards me. Like Luna is normally like my go-to cat because she comes to me. But Loki, when he shows affection, he really means it. So he came to me, he nuzzled my hand and he just kind of like curled himself in my lap. So I feel like my cats are very aware of, um, of my emotions and mm. I, I talk about how much I love my cats all the time, but not about why they are so sweet. So I don't think I've shared that out anywhere else on the internet. All I can say is that I love my cats. They're very responsive to my emotional needs. Um, but also, yeah, I do have this deep seated fear sometimes that like if I don't make enough money or if I don't have a certain pillar of success in time, that I feel like I'm not worthy to be a mother. But that's because of the standard that I hold for myself, which is actually pretty damn high but my both my therapist and um that like some of my other peers who I've shared this with they say to me there are plenty of incredible moms who don't have super successful businesses <laughs> and and things like that so that, that don't let that be the thing that makes you think you're worthy or not to have children yes Oh, thank you so much for sharing that, Make. I have like chills and it's so beautiful. And I think these are the things that we, we don't share because we feel we're alone or because we, yeah. Mm, thank you. Well, whew, that ended on quite the emotional part, didn't it? <laughs> but thank Before you. Before we for totally that. finish up, was there anything else that you wanted to, to share, to say? just just thank you um I really appreciate that well this is your idea first of all <laughs> and I absolutely <laughs> loved this conversation I loved all the different directions that we went to and I loved how open you were with your experience but also just how we always looped it back to everybody who's listening right now who may or may not be interested in joining the future round so I just want to say thank you and for anybody who's listening this whole program came about from my own quiet rebellion I remember saying to one of my best friends so her name's Gabby Waltz so shout out to Gabby um there was a conversation we had about the current state of the industry and how they view visibility in a very I to me personally it can be not always can be pretty transactional it's like the mm. more you're out there the better and again I saw it through the lens of trauma and I thought to myself no more is not always better because if you do not have the support and access to resources to help you through a backlash to help you through a time when your boundaries are broken or when you are re-traumatized or triggered or anything like that, then no, more is not always better. And I really wanted to create that space where we get to acknowledge that and you get to work with that, not against that. So if you've ever felt out of integrity with your own self 
or you feel like you've had to self-betray in order to appease someone else's prescriptive way of doing things, let SVI be the place where you get to discover what's right for you and you only, and to be around other people who care about that. Because something that we said often today about boundaries in hot seats, the reason why I always ask like the person on the hot seat, like, would you be open to hearing anybody else's um, shares should they have anything to say? It's because I'm um, getting you used to reinforcing what's right for you in that moment where you get to practice reinforcing boundaries out without in your words, Suzanne, because your 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 um, can you say your tagline? Because I think it's like perfectly appropriate here. <laughs> Which one? The, 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 the boundary the, AF or the the, 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 the the saying no without feeling like a. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been deliberately trying to keep my language very PG. Oh no, this is going to be marked explicit because I've already said ass and shit. So <laughs> we can't... I know I was like, it wasn't me. So my tagline is um, uh, helping women say no without feeling like a bitch yes (laughs) so I hope that that is also a place where you can feel like you can like stake your claim with your own boundaries what you need at a given time and not feel like a bitch about it or not feel like a whatever alternative for bitch (laughs) that you that could be appropriate here I don't know but anyway yeah that's all I can say about SBI it's a place where you get to discover where you get to be curious where you can fall flat on your face and we will help you up unless you want to get up yourself which is fine um but yeah that is my quiet rebellion to the industry which may not always have our best interests at heart and honoring our intersections of our identity and our lived experiences as well so that's what i have to say (laughs) thank you so much may k thank you everybody for listening Thank you so much, everyone. And so again, if you are interested in learning more about SVI 3.0 or beyond, so if it is the beyond part, there are some features in this episode which may or may not be applicable to 4.0 onwards. I mean, I will say 4.0 onwards, I am thinking of integrating a live retreat in there. Just saying. Um, so you get your honey buns on that wait list if you are interested. It's www.makingstand.com forward slash apply. If it's outside of the application period, that will take you to the wait list. So don't worry about the whole change of links and anything like that. All of that is in the show notes. But do want to say thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much, Suzanne, for being our guest host today. It was super, super fun. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of the Quiet Rebels podcast today. For any links that have been mentioned in the episode, you can absolutely find them in the show notes below. And two final things before we wrap up for today. Number one, if you do like the vibe and you're pretty new here and you're thinking, hmm, I actually might want to stick around to see what else comes up here, then I totally invite you to hit the subscribe button. And number two, if you'd like to invite your friends and to help me spread the word to other quiet rebels out there who have yet to find our incredible community, then it would really help if you would leave us a review. So whichever app you're listening to this episode on, all you'd need to do is scroll to the bottom and there will be an option to write a review any words will be incredibly appreciated so thank you so much in advance if you decide to do that that's everything for today so thank you again for joining us and i hope that you join us next time so until then bye for now